Hello everyone and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we cast our all-seeing eye over the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who's we? Well, I'm your host Andrew and as usual I'm joined by my co-host Mick. Hello, and I think you'll find that that's our all-seeing eye of oomalopchumalumlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlamlam
No, no, I, th- I think there's actually two. Th- I think there's a failed Doctor Strange pilot and then a film that's called like Doctor Mordred or something. But with a main character who's very clearly just Doctor Strange, but they've had to change his name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, so my, my early memories of Doctor Strange was basically he was Reed Richards with a beard and a cape. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. What Reed Richards is to science, he is to yeah. magic. They're both very much there. I am the adult in the room. Everyone shut up and listen to me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, and obviously, odd bits and pieces that he's done in other comics, you know, where he's turned up and been the the only adult in the room and everything else. Yes, because I was going to say, I mainly know him from Jonathan Hickman's new Avengers run. Right. Which is about the Illuminati trying to stop incursions from alternate universes. Ah. A plot that may be rather relevant to the MCU going forward. Mm. Uh, I should just notice you, you do have a bit of a Doctor Strange beard yourself. Now, you see, about 10 years ago, uh, my son's friends referred to it as my Tony Stark beard. Well, obviously that was 10 years ago. Now it's a lot greyer. So So now I'm Reed Richards with a beard and a cape. Actually, you do even have, like, the white side streaks in there. Of course I do. I've been podcasting with you for several years. Yeah, I remember when we started the long flowing locks. <laughs> the unblemished face. The look of hope in the that eyes. Just two episodes. <laughs> I mean, really about 30 minutes into episode yeah. one. There, yes, yeah, there is a Doctor- 1978 live-action television film, Doctor Strange, played by Peter Hooten. Yeah, actually, does that have Jessica Walter in it? It could have. So I'm pretty sure one of them does, either that or the, the knockoff one. Yes, Jessica Walter is indeed. Ah, there you go, the Seal Bluth herself. John Mills. I don't know who that is. Seriously. I mean, I, I probably do. I just can't. Sir John Mills, one of the finest actors of his generation. A generation that included Olivier and Gilgood. Yeah, but how many Marvel films has he been in? What, one? <laughs> 1978's Doctor Strange. Look, I'm just saying I only know actors who have worked with the true auteurs of our age, <laughs> Michael Bay and Zack Snyder. <laughs> so, your challenge, should you choose to accept it, is to synopsize the multiverse of madness. 
And you're it's funny you say and that. And your 15 second starts now. It's even funnier you say that because I think this is the longest synopsis I've done for a film yet. <laughs> and needless to say at this point, full spoilers for the film ahead. So, Stephen Strange, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, has a nightmare in which an alternate Doctor Strange, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, is killed whilst trying to flee from a monster with a young girl, played by Soshi Gomez. And I apologize, that's probably not how you pronounce it. I, I looked it up a little while ago. It's similar to that, but then it gets mixed in my head with Saoirse Ronan, who also has a name that's in no way pronounced how it's spelled. To be fair, I think your crimes against pronunciation have been far worse in the past. Yeah, this is this is definitely on the milder side of me just butchering a name. <laughs> and sometimes that name is Aquaman. <laughs> so, the next day, while attending the wedding of his ex-girlfriend Christine Palmer, played by Rachel McAdams, Stephen discovers that the alternate Steve, the girl, and the monster are all real when they materialise in the middle of the street. With the help of his friend Benedict Wong, Stephen is able to kill the monster and save the girl, who explains that she is America Chavez, a superhuman with the ability to travel the multiverse, which is otherwise impossible, unless you're a Spider-Man franchise character, but just ignore that. Of course, the other thing to remember is that... Um... This now equals the record held by the previous Doctor Strange movie of uh, films with the most number of Benedicts in it. It's it's insane that there are two actors named Benedict in Hollywood and they're both in this film. Because <laughs> like when it's something like, yeah, you know, Chris Pratt and Chris Evans are both in this film, whatever, Chris is a fairly similar name, but... Benedict. All it needs is the face from eighteen to turn up as a cameo in the third Doctor Strange movie, and they'll have the full triumvirate of Benedict. I, I don't know. I feel like that's some kind of ancient doomsday ritual. <laughs> the three Benedicts whose paths must never cross. <laughs> so. America, the girl, not the country, is being hunted by a mysterious magician, so Benny and Benny take her to the mystical city of Kamartaj for protection. Recognising that the magic used to create the monster they fought is specifically witchcraft, Stephen goes to enlist the aid of Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, played by Elizabeth Olsen. And good news! Wanda is very familiar with the magic used to make the monster. Yay! Bad, bad news! It's because she's the one who made it. <laughs> oh. Whoopsie doopsie. It's a roller coaster, this film, isn't it? It is. <laughs> and that's just in like the space of five minutes. <laughs> so, Wanda wants to kill America and steal her powers after the cursed book of the Darkhold revealed to her that her imaginary children exist in another universe. If you haven't seen WandaVision, just, just don't sweat it. It's fine. Just go along with it. Just just assume that whatever Stephen Strange says in this film happened. Yes. And, and, and also a lot of it is just 
Mm, magic words. <laughs> so, Wanda attacks Kamataj and kills most of its defenders, but Stephen and America escape into the multiverse. Landing on Earth 838, they're captured by that universe's Sorcerer Supreme, Baron Mordo, played by Chiwetel Ejiofor. See, there's, See, there's a proper name line, butchering. She? <laughs> she didn't. The worst part is that's what I know how to pronounce. So he brings them to the Illuminati, a group of heroes consisting of Mordo plus Captain Carter, played by Haley Atwell, Maria Rambo, aka Captain Marvel, played by Lashana Lynch, and and Mick. It's the character return everyone's been talking about. So I, I know. We were both very excited and yeah. thought, no, this character's never coming back. They're, they're clearly done with their franchise after the just the Herculean effort and sheer acting talent they put in. And also I thought he was in a starship at the other side of the galaxy. Oh my god, we are, we are also talking about a Star Trek captain. <laughs> Because, of course, we're talking about Anson Mount as Black Bolt. Reprising it's role. canon, Mick! <laughs> the Inhumans are canon! Well, they should certainly have been shot from one. I mean, he gets just as good in this film. <laughs> oh, also Patrick Stewart as Professor X and John Krasinski as Reed Richards in this film. But it's possibly yeah. the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Yeah. I, I mean, God bless him for trying to put, like, Patrick Stewart in the trailer and just, like, showing the back of his head and doing the voice and going, well, no one will recognise this incredibly famous voice. Yes. And, uh, basically, if John Krasinski ever refuses to acknowledge the fact that he's been cast in a role again, assume he has that role. Assume he is that role. Can you imagine if there's a film that both John Krasinski and Andrew Garfield are starring in? Wow. Just the, the press releases would be madness. <laughs> well, the Andrew, Gar so, the Andrew Garfield ones would all be spoiled by Tom Holland, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, oh my god, the three of them together in a film. <laughs> It'd just be an endless cycle of so and so's in it. No, I'm not. Yes, he is. I filmed with him yesterday. No, you didn't. Just Tom just ruining the entire plot while Andrew and John are in the background. We don't know what he's talking about. It's all lies. Surprise! It's, <laughs> it's like the riddle of the mummies, where it's one can only tell the truth, the other always lies. <laughs> Right, what was I up to? Uh, there there the, we the, are. The Illuminati. Yep, the Illuminati explained that their universe is Stevie Strange, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, founded their team, but was corrupted by the... Mick. Mm. I've written Barkhold. Right. 
but a B instead of a D. I think I think that's the source of magic in the upcoming DC's League of Super Pets. Oh, what a crossover! <laughs> the Darkhold, which of course legitimizes Agents of Shield. As said, Tome turned up in uh, season of that one, that series. But then also they went into the future, which is a different future, but not an alternate universe because they didn't exist yet, but now do so. Maybe they were. Because comics. Anyway, that version of Stephen Strange uh, was corrupted by the Darkhold and became quite Illuminati after causing an incursion. How how, how, how long did that one take you? Oh, this was... Literally the entire thing that the synopsis was built around <laughs> was that joke. You, you peaked early then. <laughs> yeah. After causing an incursion, a collision between two universes, the Illuminati executed him. Uh, Model wants to do the same to our Stephen as he poses a similar risk, but before he can, Wanda dreamwalks into her 838 self and makes most of the team Illuminati. Oh, no. There was a second one. These are Illuminati. <laughs> they are. They're very bad. So Wanda takes America, again, the girl, not the country, and Stran... and Strans... Yeah, that's a, that's a word, Strans. Strans Stephen and the 838 version of Christine in another universe. However, Stephen is able to defeat that universe's master of the mystic arts, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, and uses his copy of the Darkhold to dreamwalk back to his universe by possessing the corpse of the Doctor Strange from the start. It's pretty bad. So, Zombie Stephen and Wong confront Wanda at Mount Wundergore, the source of the Darkhold. Doctor Strange saves America and encourages her to control her powers. Both the girl and the country. Indeed. <laughs> and convinces her to use her powers, allowing her to open a portal to Earth 838, where that universe's Wanda and her kids are able to bring our Wanda to her senses. Free uh, of the Darkhold's influence, Wanda seemingly sacrifices herself to destroy every copy of the Darkhold across the multiverse. Uh, finally, in a series of post credit scenes, Stephen discovers that using the Darkhold has caused him to grow a third eye, and then he's approached by Clea, the Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Dimension, played by freaking Charlie's Theron. <laughs> uh, and then Bruce Campbell turns to camera and tells us it's all over. Right, synopsis done, and uh, I think that's the episode over. Cool. Best we rate it then. Yeah. Now we, we do only have time for is this the best film ever or worst film ever? It's an interesting it's a long film, isn't it? It's um I didn't think it was too bad. It crams a lot in though. That's what I mean. It, it there's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. From the synopsis, there's a heck of a lot going on. So I I, I think I think it feels like a longer film than it is because there's so much going on. 
Yeah, because I think the runtime's only around two hours, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I think... I think you're thinking for a lot of it. You, Although there's a lot of action, I think you're trying to figure out how that action has occurred. If you see what I mean. You're trying to wait... It, you're trying to figure out which insert noun here of insert improbable name here has caused that particular rift in the dimensional interstices. That's a good word for a Friday, isn't it? Yeah, it's a. There's a lot of rules in this film. Yeah. It. it it's almost like you. It. it it's like the audio-visual aid to um, Sorcery 101. Um, yeah, like there'll just be occasional bits where the film will kind of just stop and go, and this is how dream walking works, and this is how incursions work, and this is how this and that, and everything else works. And I, I, I think the other thing is that... Um, for me, it, it was unsatisfying it was great to watch lots of incredible special effects lots of squee moments particularly the reveal as you said of the um, Illuminati and Charles yeah, but please make Black Bolt and his amazing friends <laughs> and of course Charlie's still on um, but I think for me it was unsatisfying because after WandaVision, I think what Wanda needed was a redemption arc, and this isn't it, really. Yeah, which I, I assume she's going to get later, because as much as it seemingly sacrifices herself, yeah. they do the bit where there's kind of like the red flash at the end, so it kind of implies she doesn't die, maybe just teleports off somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, I'd say the thing about this film is it's one it's a bit like maybe Civil War or something like that, where it just feels very much like a middle episode of something. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to move all our pieces into place. Some of those places may not be in this dimension. And then they'll just sit off to one side for a bit to be brought into play later. Probably from the left. Yeah, it, it's so much... Here's a thing that's going to be pretty cool somewhere down the line. Yeah, so... The problem... The other problem for me is, obviously, as a... as an aficionado of the comic book realm, I do keep up with all the WandaVision and the Loki and the What Ifs. But if you were just a casual punter who went to go see that film, you'd have gone, What? Yeah, and it's it's not even the case, even if you've maybe just seen the Marvel movies. Yeah. You've now also got to watch all the supplementary material for it to make sense. This is it. I mean, you know, even if even if they've watched all the phases of, of Marvel movies, they're not going to know who Captain Carter is. 
yeah, it's like, did, did you not watch this one cartoon miniseries on Disney Plus? Oh, oh, you you thought that was skippable, you fool! <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah for me, it it had a lot in it, but it was just unsatisfying on a number of levels. Which is, which is odd because, you know, it's a Doctor Strange movie and a Doctor Strange movie should be a rip-roaring acid trip. Which, I mean, in some ways it was that as it well. It was that as well, yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's odd that you have such a diametrically opposed uh, rating system in mind for it. <laughs> God, are we going to have to reintroduce nuance to the show, Mick? Yes. But we're on the internet. We, there's no place for nuance on the internet, that, Mick. That's, that's, that's our niche that we've carved out in the podcasting world. Subtlety and nuance. <laughs> I mean, is the world ready for an opinion that's there were parts of this film I liked and other parts I didn't. I don't know. I I think in in the world in which we live, there's a there's a little corner of social media and the interweb reserved for some balanced, measured opinion that isn't polarizing and immediately offensive to the other opinion. So what you're saying is we have to start posting on MySpace. No, I said that there's a corner of the internet that exists. Oh, MySpace probably still exists somehow. I think I've got it on a thumbstick somewhere. Um, yeah, that's us. Calm and measured and non-polarising. Well, there you go. That's 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 what people pay us the big bucks for. It's it's what our listener expects. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> you, you're all right there, pal. You're on the phone. <laughs> oh no, he's nodded off again. Give him a little jiggle, Mick. I tried that last time when he gave me a restraining order. And that's why he only listens to us over the podcast. Absolutely. So yeah, I, I thought... I thought the Christine Palmer plotline, although it was an interesting wrinkle, it didn't really add much other than, you know, I, I think it could have been told more efficiently, the fact that it never works out between Christine and Stephen. Yeah, because I feel like what they're getting at with that is the idea that Doctor Strange isn't that far off where Wanda is. Yeah. Like he's just a few bad days from going full evil. Yeah. I think as well, part of that doesn't really work for me is to try and draw that comparison between Wanda kind of brainwashing a whole town. Yeah. And Stephen giving away the time stone to Thanos. Yeah. But it's like, I can kind of get it as a 
it's because you've decided this is what's best. Yeah. But they also explicitly said like he checked a million different timelines and this was the only thing that worked. Yeah. It's not like he said, you know, well, there are other options, but those options, yeah, (laughs) this is the one that is not inconvenient to me, so he'll do it. Yeah, I think it's, because I've always liked um, Olsen's Wanda, not to be confused, of course, with Benedict Cumberbatch's mum, Wanda. I know that was that was another mind blowing moment when you pointed me towards the fact that his mother's actually called Wanda. <laughs> Wanda Ventham, one of the original screen queens, I believe. She God, she's... and she also gets possessed by the Fendal in the Doctor Who episode Image of the Fendal. Yes, I'm starting to feel like I'm some which, kind of crazy conspiracy string board. In which she plays a doctor. <gasps> See, em- it's all connected. Embroiled in strange goings on. <gasps> that involve science that's indecipherable from magic. Oh my god, that's, that's what they're really bringing Russell T. Davis back for. <laughs> it's all going to cross over. I now need to double check my fractions. Because I'm it. Our listener will write in. If that's wrong. And it wasn't that episode that she was in. So again, this, this is even more of a roller coaster of emotions than Doctor Strange 2. <laughs> <laughs> but you get it is it's so funny the fact that Stephen's like wonder we need your help and then she's immediately she's like nope I'm the villain <laughs> it really feels like this should be like a Charlie Brown sad trombone moment there <laughs> I think that's that's the second funniest moment in the film only after the dramatic conclusion in which the conversation between Stephen and America is basically America, believe in yourself, use your powers. And he's like, but I can't believe in myself and use my powers. And then he's, but have you tried believing in yourself and using your powers? Oh, I should just believe in myself and use my powers. And then she does. And the best part is I'm pretty sure that's what was written in the book of the Vishanti, like the big fancy magic book they needed to fix it. <laughs> Do you think, right, the Darkhold is like the sort of dark Dead Sea Scrolls pages that were ripped out of the book of Ashanti? Yes, if those scrolls were written by that one mate at the pub who's a really bad influence. Yeah. When it's just kind of whispering in years, God, you should fight him. You can totally have him. <laughs> With Wanda shouting in the corner, he's not worth it. He's not worth it. 
<laughs> yeah, that's like the alternate one who's trapped in a pain, just like trying to hold her arm back. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else is holding her air back while she's vomiting into her yeah. brain. <laughs> Multiversal Hindu. Speaking of, Wondershow seems to have gotten over the vision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's because the pain of having her kids that didn't exist ripped from her so quickly um, is probably a bit raw than the... Um, the, t- the, the pain that she'd had time to avoid coming to terms with over the loss of vision. Yeah. Well, she just thinks, you know, I'll, I'll find my kids at the vision. I can just build a new one. Yeah, but also also there's white vision kicking around, isn't there? So, you know. Yeah, I just kind of pop back into this universe, just grab him. There we go. Yeah. Um, whereas the kid thing, that's a bit more complex, isn't it? Because they didn't yeah. exist. Then they did exist. Now they exist everywhere except where she is. Which also begs the question, in those universes, who is the kid's father? Yeah. I mean, one's got to assume that in at least one or two of those universes, um, Paul Bettany. Or the monk from Opus Day in... Um, What's that god-awful film based on that god-awful book? Da Vinci Code. Oh, yeah, he was in the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, he was the albino monk. Yes, of course, so on Earth 838, Wanda just married the albino monk. <laughs> and they had a couple of lovely children. <laughs> and I guess Tom Hanks just stayed in France and had a nice glass of wine. Because not only is he an albino monk, but he's an albino albino monk assassin who works for the papal secret service. At least he did. I'm pretty sure they're not super fans of their monks having kids. (laughs) That's his cover story. Oh, that's that's some dedication. No, I can't be. I can't be. I've got kids. Wait, and also, if he's the albino assassin, does that mean there's another papal assassin who's like red and green? Just as a as a like really bad sunburn or something? Could, could be, could be. I don't know. We only focus on the albino one. And quite frankly, I think that's a failing of both the Da Vinci Code and Multiverse of Madness. Um, I mean, when you think about it, it's a really odd thing to choose someone as an assassin for, because the one thing that an albino character is going to do is stand out in a crowd. Yeah, not exactly inconspicuous. Was there anyone suspicious at the time of the murder? Well, there was a really pasty face in a monk's habit. (laughs) But apart from that, no. (laughs) I mean, maybe Da Vinci Code really is set in a comic book universe. Because that goes by the same rules, doesn't it? Where DC is like, 
Hmm. Who could this assassin be? Could it be that man in red with a target on his chest who calls himself dead shots? No, surely not. <laughs> Oh, dear. So. So. Should we talk about some things that we did like in the film? The Illuminati. Right, there you go. The, the America, the, the America or, origin story was a bit glossed over, I thought. Yeah, it felt like, because I know that's basically what happened in the comics, that, like, her powers activated, her mum's got sucked through, and then she got sucked through. But it did feel a bit like a, oh, we've, we've got to stick this in, because it's yeah. a thing from the comics. And then, um, the day that I watched um, Doctor Strange's mom, um, I also watched, uh, just to fill some time, um, the pilot episode of Marvel Uprising, which was a short-lived animated series from a few years back. And that has America meet up with um, Squirrel Girl. And she has a sort of similar but different origin. Right, because I, yeah, because I think the one in Multiverse of Madness is basically the comic origin. Yeah, it's similar, the same sort of idea, but it was a bit, a bit more standard, sort of parents were scientists and there was a bit of an accident in the lab, type origin. Oh, yeah, now you've got me doubting myself. So, I mean, America Chavez is not a character I'm hugely familiar with. No. Like, I just know she's shown up in some things and has been a bit punchy. A bit punchy. Which is what we like about superhero characters. It is. It's, it's one of their, like, key characteristics. We like, uh, we like we like characters that had a bit punchy and made up of slightly dodgy CGI, which is why we're all looking forward to She-Hulk. Indeed, which I've heard is hopefully maybe going to have some slightly better CGI. What, than the one that they put in the trailer, which is, after all, the bit that they put together to make the series look good? Y yeah. I do feel like it, it does make me somewhat disencouraged. <laughs> that it took fans going, guys, the CGI doesn't look good for them to go, oh, we should make CGI look good, not bad. <laughs> this, this coming from a studio that's been involved in one of the biggest grossing franchises of all time, that's heavily based on CGI, suddenly, what, 26 films in, they go, wait. The fans might be onto something here. Yes, just, just the, oh my god. People that, like their things to look good and not bad. 
that's like 60 years later, J. Jonah Jameson sitting in his, in his office at the Daily Bugle going, you know, you never see Parker around at the same time as Spider-Man. Yeah, or Lex Luthor just idly staring at a picture of Superman where he just like, for funsies, draws some glasses around him and goes, oh my <laughs> Hang God. On. All uh, oh, right, here we go. Uh, American Chavez believes she was raised by her mothers in the utopian parallel, a reality that is out of time and in the presence of the being known as the Demiurge. Not the, quite the same as the full urge, just a just a half urge. It's, it's a kind of sort of vague intention to, to do something. Yeah, well, well, when you need half a Snickers. Yeah. <laughs> whose presence she credited with imbuing her with superpowers. In her memory, when Chavez was approximately six years old, the utopian parallel was threatened by destruction. Chavez's mothers sacrificed themselves to seal the black hole, resulting in their particles being smeared across the multiverse. Not a good end, that, is it? Um, wanting to prove herself as a hero and knowing utopia didn't require salvation. There's a phrase I never thought I'd read in it. Chavez ran away from her home and her responsibilities. She travelled across different realities, eventually adopted the moniker of Miss America and began covertly acting as a superhero. Oh. Right, so our comic origin is actually quite different. Mm. Well, there, there you go, friends. We've all learned something today. Uh, yes, in the Marvel Rising version, um, she was sent off uh, she was teleported away by her parents to get away from Hallow the Accuser when the Cree came a calling. So, what you're saying is her parents sent her away from her dying planet to be raised on Earth instead. Yes. What a clever and original superhero origin story. I know. It's, uh, it's never been done before. The, how is her speed relative to trains? This is not made clear. Oh, hold on. Uh, Wait, no, no, it's faster than a speeding boat, stronger than a locomotive. Superhuman strength and durability. That must be... Uh, there is no comparison to any kind of public transport system, but you've got to assume it's got to be locomotive grade. Yeah, at yeah. least tougher than a bus. Power of flight. I imagine quite handy for leaping tall buildings in a single bound. I, I would imagine so. Um... I mean, it doesn't mention sort of speed as such, but, uh, oh no, since she's able to catch up to and nearly exceed the speed of light. Which is uh, definitely quicker than a bullet. Yeah. Uh, but where she beats Superman into the proverbial Clark Kent cocked hat, is she has the power to kick open star-shaped holes in reality. Beat that, Kal-El. Um, well, you say that, as far as I'm aware, America Chavez can't fire a tiny America Chavez from her hand when needs be. Wow. I bet she doesn't even have super ventriloquism. <laughs> or super tap dancing. Which can defuse bombs. 
Listen, I've just been listening to the Unbeatable Squiddle Girl podcast, which is done in the format of a radio show, where Doreen Green introduces herself as the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, the superhero with the powers of both a squirrel and a girl. Oh, that's good. That's taken directly from the, the comic. God, I really want to listen to Squirrel Girl. I just don't want to fork out for Spotify and I can't stand their adverts. <laughs> it was originally on Stitcher, I think. But when will they release it just on free to consume things? Well, you know, if you're just a little bit more, um, if you're just a little bit more sort of tolerant of adverts, it already is. Anyway, the Illuminati. Anyway, the Illuminati. Yeah. So yeah, there. I. I liked them show up. I feel like definitely the reason I went into this film was just I want to see who's going to show up. <laughs> well, like like one of those reunion parties. Yeah, pretty much. I don't, I don't, I don't actually want to go. I'm just going to see who else shows up. Oh, look, there's Dave. There's Dave who opened that school. Yeah. God, Blackport really is like the useless friend from school who's really cleaned up his act. Yeah. Oh, well, no, he's the quiet one in the corner, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I guess very, quiet one, quiet one in the very corner. Kept, very much kept himself to himself. Who now dresses in a really snappy suit. Yeah. Because I do, I do like that much more comics accurate Black Bolt costume. And then, and then there's the, um, there's the fella from the uh, Baxter building. Yeah, Mr. Who, Reed. Who has to look down at his chest to remember which team he's part of. Um, that's a, that's something that's always confused me with the Fantastic Four comics. Right? If Reed Richards is so wealthy, why is their headquarters named after someone else? Oh, I was going to say modesty, but the man goes by Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, mod- that ship has sailed, my friend. <laughs> I mean, to, I think it is quite in keeping with Reed Richards that he is absolutely rich enough to own the building, but just cannot get his finances in order. <laughs> because every time he needs to, like, get the paperwork in for the deadline for the loan, he's got stuck in the negative zone or invented a new cosmic ray gun. Or thought that, you know, this time he was definitely going to cure the thing and now they're trapped in the microverse. But it does seem to suggest that at some point before Reed Richards made all his millions, he rented some space from a fella called Baxter because everybody else names their built, you know, Bruce Wayne doesn't hole up in offices in Luthercourt, does he? Stark, he's got Stark Industries, Stark Towers and Avengers Towers eventually. Yeah, I mean the Fantastic Four did eventually have four Freedoms Plaza. Which I, I guess... That sounds like a western. It is a bit Seven Brides for Seven Sisters. <laughs> no, Seven Sides for Seven... Seven Brides for Seven Sisters? Yeah. That's a modern reworking. 
I mean, I think I'm onto something. <laughs> what a very inclusive musical that sounds. I mean, forget this podcast in luck. I've really got a, a Broadway sensation in my hands. <laughs> Anyway, this is going to sound bad, but do you know what my favourite thing about the Illuminati was? What? They died in really surprisingly gruesome ways. They did. They did. Yeah. Just, I think, like, Black Bolt's mouth see. disappearing and then his head just imploding is kind of one of the most, ooh, times yeah. I've had at a cinema recently. And it was nice to see Charles Xavier walking without becoming James McAvoy. He did. Also, with the Joe, apparently at one point, Magneto was also supposed to be in the Illuminati, but played by Michael Fassbender. All right. Which I, I don't know how that would have worked. Unless they made it canon the, in this universe, the comic happened, where Magneto created Alpha, the ultimate mutant, who then used the psychic powers to turn Magneto into a baby. Right. Brief diversion. Um, when you do get around to listen to Screaming Squirrel, uh, Magneto appears in it with someone who does a very passable... Um, not Michael Fassbender, the other fellow. Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. Sure, it's not just Ian McKellen. It, yeah, he just... It's, I don't think it is Ian McKellen, but he does a very passable one. And he keeps phoning into the show going, Charles, Charles, control your students. <laughs> but does he get transformed into a baby? No. No, he doesn't. That's a shame. Do you know at one point Ghost Rider was going to be on the Illuminati as well? Ghost Rider? Yeah, that's apparently the version. I, I don't know, but there's a bit of kind of like watermarked very early footage of Wanda squaring off against someone who's kind of very like black leather and a big fiery head. Wow. Yeah, and one that was more... That would have been funny if it had been the Nick Cage version. Ah, oh, that would have been amazing. Also, maybe do like an unbearable weight of massive talent thing around this universe. It's just the actor Nick Cage. <laughs> also, apparently with the Illuminati, uh, Reed Richards was quite late, a last minute edition. Well, yeah, because John Krasinski was off on a casting denial tour, wasn't he? Yeah, but do you know who he replaced? <laughs> no. He replaced Thor's brother, Boulder the Brave, who was going to be played by Daniel Craig. Wow. Yeah, but apparently he dropped out because there was like a, a COVID spike. And he basically just said, yeah, I'm not going to risk catching COVID for like a five minute cameo. Fair enough. It would have been a very lucrative five minute cameo. Yeah, but then we wouldn't have got to see John Frasinski become string cheese. Good point, Paul Presenter. 
yeah, I kid. But that's that's the thing I enjoyed about this film is I feel like I wouldn't have liked this if not for Sam Raimi. Because it's always weird little horror touches that I quite liked. Mm. Yeah. Well, it, uh, I, I think for me that's... It, it does kind of feel a bit uneven in tone. Because the Stephen Strange type of sorcery is still quite marvelly. It feels a bit more like the... MCU style of special effects. There's lots of, you know, glyphs that actually also look a bit like holograms and stuff like that. Whereas Maximoff's witchcraft is a bit more organic. Yeah, but but I quite like that because I like they're, they're kind of emphasising the fact that they've got very different magical approaches. Mm. And I think it like, makes things like when she does the bit where she kind of crawls out the mirror, it just kind of adds that extra level of like wrongness to it because you're so used to seeing the very big glowy magic stuff. Yeah. Um... Also, speaking of big glowy magic, I did really like the fact where, well, just that one fight where Stephen fights alternate Stephen with a magic fight, a magic music fight. <laughs> Yeah. There's a lot going on. In fact, I've forgotten huge swathes of it because there was so much going on. Yeah, it's like. So there's a, like what I was thinking about that magic music fight. Part of me was like, was was that the same film? Because it feels like it might have been a different film. <laughs> and I, I, think, I think that is the issue with it. I think... Um, like I said about the Christine Palmer plotline, uh, plot there's a lot of stuff in there that the film would still have been satisfying if it had been just left out or cut short. And, and some of it some of it felt a bit like either we've got to put this in there to please the fans or we've got to put this in there because we can. Yeah, and really that's just a big problem with Marvel things in general. Mm. Is this all because we're not just making a film, we're making a thing that's going to set up like the next decade of films as well. Yeah. Oh, there's gotta be there's gotta be one that bombs at some point. Yeah, I don't know, because I feel like the closest we've had is Eternals, and that still did fine. Yeah. I think I think the thing with Eternals though was their marketing for it was just right. It was it was almost like um it was probably the least oversold Marvel movie so far. Yeah, it was kind it's of just, uh, eh, you'll probably like quite... this one. Hey, uh, hey, look, Jolly's joined the MCU. Roll up, roll up. Um, but yeah, apart from that, and a, you know, a couple of trailers, it wasn't, it wasn't on every bus and every um, podium. 
like the others have been. Yeah. Anyway, back to Multiverse of Madness. I think it's probably about time we ranked this. I think so too. So Where are, what have we got? So this will be going on the big list of films, which I've got a feeling Nick Fury's not going to be moving. Yeah, no, it is not going to be troubling Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which currently sits at 36. I also don't think it's going to be troubling a history of violence that sits at number one. Okay. And also, we should mention, that's going from bottom to top. Right. <laughs> I, I don't want anyone thinking that Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. is our top film. <laughs> Oh, I must be misremembering it then. Um, also, I think this is our third episode on the bounce where we haven't done Catwoman. It is rewriting the balance. <laughs> um, so, right, what, what have we got in the sort of mid-range? What have we got in the sort of lower teens? Because it feels like a lower teensy one to me. Yeah, lower teens. Well, let's go from 15 to 20. So 15, we've got Shang-Chi. 16, we've got Iron Man. 17, Blade. 18, From Hell. 19, The Old Guard. And 20, the first X-Men film. Yeah, I think I preferred this to Shang-Chi. I'm not going to disagree. Because I feel agree, like though. I feel like the the main thing with Shang Chi is it got a very high place because I know Graham was on that show and he quite liked it quite a bit more yeah. than we did. Yeah, um, and for me it was a. It 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 felt like a placeholder. Yeah, well, Shang Chi, I think, it's another origin story, and it's also a film. Well, it just felt like a lot of things that I've seen in other films, but done better. Yeah, yeah. But this Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange at least had cool, weird Sam Raimi stuff in it that I was a big fan of. Yeah, yeah. So there we are then. Yeah, there we go. Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness going in as our new number 15. And I guess in a few years' time, we'll see how Doctor Strange Dormammu's Are Dangerous does. <laughs> you turn this into a real mom and dad franchise, aren't you? Exactly. <laughs> so I, I think that probably brings us to the end of the show. Indeed. Ah. And if you want to listen to more, you can find all of episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And you should subscribe, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. If you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. Also, if you're a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice or just recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to grow as a show and reach you listeners across the whole of the multiverse. <laughs> it's still just the one listener. In every universe. Well, that you say that, that reminds me, I, I did have a depressing realisation the other day. Is that I looked through all our episodes to see what was the most listened one. 
and uh, it turns out it's Hitmonkey, which <laughs> would be great, except that's the one episode where for the, the episode notes, like the description that goes on the apps and stuff, I did it all in monkey noises. So it's just like, ook, 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 ook. And that's the one. That's the one that people went, yeah, that, that speaks to me. It also means there are people who had not listened to an episode before who just went into that with no context whatsoever. And presumably haven't listened since. I love it. So that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. And I've been me. So long. Thanks for listening. And uh, ook ook. Ah, ah. <laughs>